0: Um, apparently I was the only one who knew there was going to be a podcast today you yeah, just apparently. thought we were hanging out
1: yes I thought <laughs> we're like, we Wait. were just coming to catch up and have a little meeting you know we haven't talked in about three weeks so you know I figured Has I it was been coming three weeks? In, mm-hmm. I have seen you in three weeks I, easily because I left I left on I left like May 10th or something mm-hmm. no I left on the, the Monday of the May long weekend so whenever that was
0: Okay, back way back in May.
1: Way back in May, um, I went to Florida for four days. Then I had the most epic ride into Austin ever. We're
0: actually supposed to do a podcast.
1: We were supposed to do podcasts. live
0: on scene, but you, are... I was such
1: a basket case after that. What
0: happened? So, I still don't, still don't know the full story. So, so
1: we're flying in from Miami to Austin. So mm-hmm. I do, you know, I do the planes, trains, and automobiles. My brother drops me off at the train station in Boca. I take the train from Boca to Miami Airport.
0: What were you doing in Florida? Just chilling out.
1: Just visiting my parents, okay, um, and my brother. And uh, I get to the airport. I've got some time. I have dinner with this woman who I've never met before, who, which of course turns into a nutrition consultation, which seems to happen to me a lot. Oh, what do you do? Oh, you're a nutritionist. Well, let me tell you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and about 45 minutes in, she's like, you know, I'm really sorry, do you mind? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Just keep going. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> um, Anyway, and then we load up on the flight. Everything's great. I get to my seat and so, my first sign that the, line, the stars are lining up a bit strange is on my right hand. Side. I'm actually got the. I've actually got the window seat, but the guy that's sitting in the window seat is this dude who's in a neck brace, has a splint on his left hand, and as he's trying to kind of get up and stagger over to the middle seat where he's supposed to be sitting, I realize he's like can barely walk. So I'm like, you know what? You look like you've had a bad day. Why don't you keep the window seat? I'll sit in the middle. So I end up in the middle seat between Disaster Dan on the right side, (laughs) and on my left side is this older gentleman who's got this deep south accent. He's got like the major bug teeth going on, but it turns out he's an ex-Navy SEAL, like retired Navy SEAL. So anyway, so I'm sitting between two interesting characters. The flight over to Austin is completely uneventful. And all of a sudden, we're in Austin airspace. It's now 1115 at night. We're supposed to land at 1130. And the pilot comes on and he says, well, ladies and gentlemen, if you look out the window, you may notice that there's some weather. And so I look outside. Oh, no. Danny, I have never in my life seen lightning like this. It wasn't like bolt of lightning. Were you like
0: in the middle of a lightning storm?
1: So we were above. Wow. So we were at 36,000 feet. We were in completely smooth air. But below us was like, it's like somebody had lit the clouds up from underneath. And then you had like forks of lightning and sheets of lightning and it didn't stop. It was just continuous. I've never- and so when you're looking out the window, you're going, oh, geez, this sucks. (laughs) This is not looking good. So the pilot comes, and you know the pilot's like they're really smooth and calm, right? So he comes on and he goes, you know, the good news, people, is we've got a full tank of fuel. I'm sitting there going, I'm not so sure that's such a good thing, but whatever. <laughs> we're not really bound. <laughs> that's what he led. Right that's
0: what he led with. We've no, got a, full, we've tank got of a fuel. full tank of fuel, okay. and we're just so going to hang be up out here. For a while. here.
1: We, he literally said, "We're going to be up here for a while." Wow. So anyway, so everybody goes back to watching their movie, reading their books, doing whatever, and an hour later, he comes back on, and he says, "Well, so here's the thing. It appears that the storm isn't getting any better." They've now closed San Antonio Airport, which is the one that's an hour like it's an hour drive from Austin, because it's full. Everybody's been redirected, and he said, "So we now have to wait until we get told where we're going." So one wow. thirty in the morning. he so what, what? Okay.
0: What's going through you at this moment?
1: I'm uncomfortable, but I'm still okay because you know what. what what's was the vibe weird, on the plane? Well, the vibe what? on the plane is cool because. The interesting thing is that he found really smooth air. So it's kind of like you have this very, um, very calm hum from the engines and you're kind of going in circles and it's, but big sweeping circles. So it almost is soothing in a way until 1.15 in the morning when he comes back on and he says, okay, so here's, here's the new status. Um, this storm isn't going anywhere. The control tower in Austin is now taking water. United just tried an approach and had to bail because there's too much water on the runway, the wind is too hard, and it's just raining too hard. Um, And we're now running low on fuel. (laughs) 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 And uh, so we're going to Houston. And I'm like, honey, you can take me to freaking China at this point as long as you get me on the ground safe, right? So now I'm striking up a conversation with Disaster Dan on the right and ex Navy SEAL on the left. Because when I get nervous, I start talking. <laughs> and of course, I start talking to myself. People think I'm really weird. But now I find out that Disaster Dan was in Haiti and was in a car crash. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Tremendous. Here I am next to the dude. You know, he's escaped death once. As luck would have it, I'm here when God's getting the makeup in. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Navy Navy Seal Marine boy on my left is a very is it turns out is a philosopher, who tells me, look, when the big guy decides your number's up, your number's up, sister. It doesn't really matter what you do. So you're
0: kind of situated perfectly.
1: I'm perfectly situated for my exit from this world. (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. Oh, How my did, God. What, And what happened? Did you die? No.
1: I did not die. Uh, we landed in Houston um, beautifully. But now we are in Houston. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We get handed a little slip of paper that says, if you decide you want to stay in a hotel tonight, you need to call this number. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, you'll get a discounted rate at a hotel. But we're not in the major Houston airport. We're in little... Uh, George W. Bush Airport, which is off in the boonies.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So, oh, and be back here tomorrow morning. We will leave at around 8.45 in the morning. And, you know, the the ticket wicket is closed. So just bring back the boarding pass you have now. The TSA will understand. And so we're all sitting there going, the TSA barely understands when it's clear. Uh Never mind you're coming back with yesterday's boarding pass from a different airport coming to another airport. Now you're in Houston, um, and nobody, no plane leaves at around eight 45 in the morning. So anyway, so I'm there. There's every seat in the airport is filled with bodies and luggage. Cause you have to clear your luggage. Um, anyway, you know, to make a very long, well, actually it gets better because at two 30 in the morning, I decide, okay, I'm going to drive to Austin tomorrow. There's no freaking way I'm getting stuck in this airport for the whole day. And who knows if they're gonna reopen Austin anyway. Apparently, like the control tower Mm -hmm. floated away like a submarine. So I know that I'm planning to rent a car in the morning and drive to Austin. And I know that to do that, I need to sleep. So I decide to So get are there.
0: you happy to be alive at this point? Like what's, You know what? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still I'm, I'm still totally I'm still stuck like you un, just, the way you're telling the story is so calm and it's like, Oh yeah, everything was cool. You know, I had this philosopher and it's like you no, know, I, dude, I was like
1: flipping out on the plane. That's and a so happy to be alive But on And, the and every,
0: everyone must have been like there must have been a tension in the air, no? Like ha I've never been through anything like that.
1: Well, I've been through a crash landing, so this, wow. this was this comparatively was quite calm.
0: So I'm never traveling with you. <laughs> well,
1: the, the crash landing was a long time ago and it did, you know, until the crash landing, I loved flying. Uh-huh. I loved the feeling of the takeoff and I loved the landings. And when I had that crash landing, it was crash landing in the sense that they had to, they had to keep us in the air long enough to foam the runway.
0: To and foam the runway? They had to foam the runway. Wow.
1: Because the, the, the instrument panel was showing that the landing gear wasn't down. So they had to fly by, do a couple flybys, the control tower, uh-huh. who told them that the landing gear was down. But at this point, they didn't know if it was locked mm-hmm. or if there was something wrong with it. So they had to foam the runway, get all the emergency vehicles on site. Then we had to take off our shoes. Put our heads down, like the whole They turn down the lights, the The emergency lights are going, oh and they're my like, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was epic. <laughs> that was really epic, actually. I'm starting to get freaked out just talking about that. That ruined me for flying for well, years. In the
0: last week. I've been on six flights, exactly. And, you know, and you've been I to Malaysia, right? Indonesia, close, Indonesia, yeah. well, one down of those there. places, yeah, the exact opposite part Place. of the world yeah, that you I know, and you know, you know so that yeah but <laughs> <laughs> but but that whole you know sense of possibility and you know what are the odds that something would go wrong uh were totally flying through my mind especially recently right with all, yeah, the, all the craziness that, yeah, yeah. going on right and um but uh but yeah it, it's, it's interesting that you know you're you're f- flying through the uh, you know through the galaxy and in this, you know, in this chair in the sky. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that it actually all just works.
1: It's It's amazing. It's amazing to me that you can be 36,000 feet up in the air in this thing that's not flapping and you're still (laughs) up there. (laughs) It's just, it it just, I think I would actually feel better if I could see the wings flapping flapping? because there would be some kind of emotion that I could relate to being up in the air.
0: Right, totally, right, It makes total like, sense. It would
1: totally make sense. Anyway, you know what ended up happening is that I actually ended up sharing a room with someone I'd never met before.
0: So th- this is the silver lining. This is a, the, no.
1: So the silver lining is that everybody who got off that plane was so grateful to be alive mm-hmm. that there was no nothing. Right. Everybody was just so relieved to be on the ground to be alive that we forgot to be pissed off that we were in the wrong city right. in the middle of the morning. With no resources, right? So,
0: so you, you know, and ironically, you were on your way to a, a trade show conference, whatever, around you know, human performance, happiness, mindfulness, and <laughs> this was probably the, the the best lesson you could have ever received, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I have to say that the bulletproof conference that I went to last October, mm-hmm. and the and the coaching course I've gone through since then has set me up for success in situations like this. In a way that I would never, in the past, I think I would have been the woman screaming in the middle aisle going, we're all gonna die. You know, I would have been that person. And now it's like you focus on yourself, you get centered, you become present.
0: Take off your shoes.
1: You just kind of chill, you know, tuck and roll. That's exactly right. And then when you land and you see someone who looks reasonably normal and you say, hey, you know, let's share a cab. And then look, you got nowhere to go. It's three o'clock in the morning we'll get a room with two beds right. and then we'll drive together tomorrow morning and this other person is looking at you going, okay, really? Like either she's an ax murderer or, so mm-hmm. anyway, but you know, you kind of get through this stuff. You believe within reason to trust, well no, you believe on, in trusting your instincts. Right. Right? And in, and in the energy that you pick up from other people, you learn to trust that mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and then everything in the world just becomes doable. You can manage.
0: So, the moral of that story is: um, you know, once in a while, think that you're gonna die, and you'll just kind of appreciate, oh,
1: man. You'll appreciate your life
0: it. and other people. A because, bit more. And you
1: won't get as mad at the people who screw around with your schedule no, no. either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He'll just be happy to have a shitty hotel room somewhere in Houston.
1: Yeah, in Humble, Texas.
0: Um, So, why were you in Austin, or or when you eventually got to Austin? So, when I eventually
1: got to Austin, um, I was at Paleo FX, which is um, you know a big conference, and I would say that it's much.
0: Who's who of the Paleo? Yeah, I mean, Mark Sisson
1: was there, Rob Wolf was there, Chris Masterjohn was there, um, Noragat Goutis, like one of my earliest Mm -hmm. inspirations in this whole space, was there. I think she's the bomb. She's awesome. Um, who else was there? Um, Jimmy Moore was there, which was interesting. Um, who else was there? Like there were so oh Chris Cresser.
0: So all the all the main all the major in the players paleo
1: in the paleo self improvement type field. Kind yeah. of world. So that I'd say the main difference between this <clears throat> one and the Bulletproof Conference is Bulletproof Conference had a different type of speaker. They were more interested in human performance. Mm-hmm. Um, in neuropsychology, in brain optimization and performance optimization, PaleoFX is still very much rooted in more of the nutrition and performance mm-hmm. and health. Um, I found it to be a more um, more for the common person conference. Like there were a few sessions I went to, I felt hmm, I could have done that you know sure. um whereas at the bulletproof conference i was blown away over and over and over again uh-huh. like it was a different it was more of a growth experience for me anyway but this one was great because the um, the i guess the trade show or the the place where you buy stuff was just so full of such great products and people doing such amazing things in the space of improving the products that people can get their hands on whether it's food or soap or whatever the case may be
0: so I, I want to ask you about the products because that's always, uh, I get a reason to go see these things, uh, mm-hmm. to go down to these trade shows. But I mean, paleo to me is, for the last, I don't know, uh, 10 years yeah. has been, it's simple, right? Like you pretty much stick to a Paleoish, primalish diet and things are good. It, and like, I, I never feel like there's a huge amount of stuff to really learn, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not saying there's, there's no learning, there's no research to do, but the answers seem quite quite clear right so my my question is what did you actually take away from maybe the knowledge portion mm-hmm. right is it Eat more steak. Eat less steak. <laughs> eat this amount of steak. Don't eat this animal. Um, you know these vegetables like what? What is there to actually for for the for the I would say common everyday person? Right. What are the takeaways? Yeah. How are th- what are the takeaways? What's evolving? What information do we have now that we didn't have ten years ago? Um, you know, like like w- what what did uh, this year um, I guess establish that last year did not?
1: Right. So. Um, so the, the conference, just like we all know, focuses on four main areas of human wellness, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. So there's diet, there's exercise and movement, there's sleep, and there's stress management. So these are all areas that are very active areas of research. There, was also, um, there were also a couple of interesting sessions on genetics and epigenetics uh-huh. and the microbiome. So what's happening in this space? Number 1, there's a redefining of the paleo diet in the sense that there's been there's so many misconceptions out there about what is paleo, what isn't paleo, and the recognition that the paleo diet like the primal diet and in some ways even the ketogenic diet really all coexist on a continuum. Mm-hmm. And understanding where you fit in that continuum is the real magic of any of these eating plants.
0: So in in a previous episode, we talked about the role of genetics and epigenetics Mm -hmm. in determining what your ideal, um, uh, you know, diet and lifestyle is. So is this what everybody is focused on right now is how to identify what kind of paleo are you and how much, uh, protein you need versus carbohydrate and how much, uh, you know, sleep is optimal to you. Like all this, you know, all this stuff. Are we, are we looking now instead of the, uh, you know the the qualitative stuff, so Are we looking at the levers, the little no?
1: No, you know you know that big giant tub of ice Gatorade that the players dump yeah. on the coach at the end of the football game
0: if they win. Yeah,
1: that's kind of what they did to genetic testing right now in this conference. Okay, what they How talk, do you mean? well so there was so number one, Chris Cresser did a whole session on genetics, and then there was a panel of experts, including Chris Cresser, Nora Gidgoudis. Um, and a bunch of other people whose names I don't remember mm-hmm. um, on a panel talking about the role of genetics and, and epigenetics. And, and, for, and for
0: those who don't know, Chris Kresser, he's, he's a name that comes up a lot. But he is a, essentially a functional physician, or he's a prop- he's actually an
1: acupuncturist and nutritionist. But he's running. But he teaches. He, he has courses in functional, in functional medicine. Yeah.
0: So I mean, uh, you know, my my uh, GP, uh, I think it's your GP yeah. too. He is doing taking his course. He's doing courses. So this is a big thing now, where you know, uh, I would say. You know, allopathic family doctors are now taking courses in functional medicine. Chris Kresser is one of those who offers the course, but um, so he is. You know, back to I guess. So he's
1: really engaged in, Uh and so what they what they said, like the real takeaway for me was so interesting because fundamentally, the most important thing about your genetic code to understand is a we don't know much. We've so identified still, so it's it's like the wild TB, wild west,
0: TB, right? You know, if you are showing
1: up with the MTFHR gene gene marker, which says that you can't say convert. That again. What did you just say? I can't. I barely said it the first just time. Alpha, I barely you just said it. Remember bunch
0: of letters. <laughs> what do they mean?
1: <laughs> I can't say the real word. Basically, it's your ability to methylate okay. certain vitamins, and in particular, folate
0: to utilize. Right? Certain so, folic vitamins, acid okay. versus folate. Sure.
1: Um, one of the things Chris Crester talked about, he goes, I've looked at people's tests and seen one marker that says that they're inhibited in their methylation, and I've seen another marker that says that they actually methylate just fine. So there's the, the, ex, the our, our genetic code, it's been looked at, but it's so poorly understood. And so for me, for example, I know that I carry a genetic marker that says that I'm predisposed, I'm more predisposed than the average person to develop type 2 diabetes. Right. Mm. So the thing to take away from this, and it will continue to be so moving forward, with the exception of a few genetic markers that are intransigent, if you will, like maybe damages on the genetic code, is that your exposome, your epigenetics, the choices that you make in your lifestyle, in how you eat, in how you take care of your body, and in what you do and what you expose yourself to, will always trump, or very often can trump, what we know that the gene code says now. And I'm, what I mean by what we know that the gene code says now is that we still, it's, it's all new and it's not well understood yet. There are interactions between different genes that we don't know of, that we don't understand. So these 23andMe's, the nutrigenomics, all these genetic tests that are coming out, they're really interesting and they are an interesting insight into what certain genes you may carry But the real message was, don't go running around thinking um, that they are the be-all and end-all. Bottom line is you still have to pay more attention to what your body is telling you and to how you live your life than what any report is going to tell you.
0: So it's kind of what I was saying. Yep. Right? I mean, we're just confirming that... It's, uh, you know, happy, friendly animals that are local and uh, yeah. uh, treated well. It's, you know, uh, primarily vegetables, a little bit of fruit. Bunch of fat. Bunch of fat. So it, we're still there. And, and there's really, as far as where the, the whole conversation is going, you're saying that uh, all these advances in genetic testing and just even the availability of genetic Information at a lower cost, basically down to the consumer level, with twenty-three and Me, mm-hmm. is not necessarily producing any meaningful information for us.
1: Not just yet. Yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's giving us insights. When though? Well, nobody knows, right? The other big area of research is the microbiome.
0: Okay, right? so you're t- Wait, and again, again. So, you're, so this and, is and the gut
1: microbiome. That's right. Yeah. The gut that that three to four to five pounds depending on who you talk to and who you are of gut bacteria what we do know is that gut bacteria dictates a whole lot about everything about you what from your mood to your digestion Mm -hmm. to your immunity to how you digest food how you assimilate like all of these things are being run by that that little universe down there the more we seem to be finding out right now the less we know So there were sessions on the microbiome as well. Another really interesting session was uh, Chris Masterjohn, who's again, one of my idols, right? He's this incredible researcher in the area of cholesterol and lipids in particular. He did a talk on fat soluble vitamins. So A, D, E and K and sex hormones and talking about the relationships between these things Mm -hmm. and how. You know so so there were there was drilling down information Nora Getgoutas did a really great session on depression and mental health.
0: And so And what was the take home on that?
1: You know what it, it was a big it was a big talk. It was very dense and the take home was that there are so many different factors to depression. It is such a huge problem and growing problem in our Society right now like she came out with a couple of stats that were mind-bending like one of them is that you know The number of people suffering from depression goes up by 20% every year Mm -hmm. Um, And then definitely talking about how there is a place for medication, but it can't be looked at alone talking about the role of nutrition um, micronutrient deficiencies um, nutritional deficiencies Um, Autoimmune diseases, like a lot of undetected physiological things that are might be going on under the surface that may be playing a very important role in in how depression declares in a person and how it can be well treated. And so very often just throwing a drug at it is not enough.
0: We've talked about this. Yeah. I think in a few episodes and amongst ourselves, is that before you try more extreme interventions that are either chemical or surgical, uh, you know, try the food and lifestyle stuff first.
1: If you have the time and the space, yeah. you know, certainly when people are at a critical stage, you got to act sometimes very dramatically. But absolutely. But the real message is, you know, the message is is so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Take care of your body. Yeah. Take care of your body because it will inform every other piece of your life moving forward and yeah
0: it's this is kind of frustrating from a podcast perspective <laughs> cuz we're Cause really so just damn saying simple. the same <laughs> it is kind of simple in a lot of ways right it is. um but it's um, not it, well it's like one of those 80 20 things i think well,
1: or 70 30 or 90 10 it depends on the person. whatever but
0: but the idea is that um, you know i think a lot of the answers are actually relatively simple and if we just stick to the simple stuff then that'll produce the largest, uh, you know, quantity and frequency of results. Meaning, you know, there's so much debate about diet and is it a vegan diet, is it a primal diet, is it a paleo diet? Whether you eat animal protein or not, eat clean protein, obviously eat a ton of really healthy uh, vegetables, some Mm -hmm. fruits. Uh, You know, again, protein is usually a little bit of a a contentious issue, but whatever protein it is, as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think just defining for people what that is, that if you go to a grocery store and you see, for example, you know, corn fed uh, steak. Right. Um, Well, that doesn't actually that's not a good thing. You know, so there's a lot of marketing that goes around this, these, these kind of. uh, ideas, but it's it's up to the person who uh, is is the consumer to really identify what those things are that will make them healthy and just stick to them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like you know a couple of things you gotta battle through. One is just the fact that most of the world is uh, swimming in bullshit when it comes to health and fitness. Everybody's trying to sell a much uh, an increasingly more complicated product or idea. And it's up to us to kind of strip it away and, and, and just get to the basics. I think that's what was so attractive about paleo in the beginning. Mm-hmm. This is such a simple idea. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people just really uh, were able to take a breath and say, oh, it is kind of simple. If I just follow this stuff, then it'll probably produce results. And and for most people, it did. And now it's more like, OK, well, how do you play off of that and uh, form a lifestyle around this stuff? Because yeah, it's not always the easiest. The restaurants aren't always um, convenient. Uh, the you know the the grocery stores don't really carry the grass fed beef. So how do you just you know make what you're doing better and more consistent? Mm-hmm. That seems to be the message in all and this. And
1: paleo is a victim of its own success, like anything mm-hmm. else, right? As the paleo sphere has increased in in magnitude, and more and more people. Are wanting to adopt it? It now presents a business opportunity for packaged goods companies, and they're like they're right in there, right?
0: So So let's let's talk uh, about that. So So like everything.
1: So even going through this trade show at Paleo FX, so I stopped by this my one of my favorite supplement manufacturers' booth, um, Natural Stacks. They they're Natural Stacks. Like they do the most spectacular magnesium formula. They they've got really cool stuff. And so my my man Matt is there with somebody else working the booth, and they're they've got these beautiful juices in a bottle, and they're like, look at this, we got these amazing organic juices, and mm. I'm sitting there looking at them. His is like you know this most stunningly vibrant, rich orange, and hers is kind of a burgundy color. I'm like, yeah, what kind of juice you got? <laughs> and like he's like, this is like the Caratopia of the world, and she's like, yeah, this is beet, and I'm like, yeah, and. How much sugar's in your juice? Mm-hmm. And he's like, But it's all natural. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, how much sugar? I'm gonna lay bets. So you've got at least thirty two grams of sugar in your juice. And so he's like, You're lying. So he looks at the back of the bottle. It was thirty eight grams of sugar. And hers was was beet juice, so it was it was up there.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah.
1: and it you know, and it, the thing is like carrot juice is good for you. And beet juice is good for you, but but don't go running around telling people just drink this because you'll be good. Because mm-hmm. your ceiling for sugar in a day should be no more than forty-eight grams. If you knock it out, um, if you knock it out at thirty-two or thirty-five grams with just a juice, and they have, and now the fibers been sure. stripped, uh, has been stripped away, so there's nothing to slow that sugar from hitting your bloodstream like a bomb, right? Um, And so they were both, the two of them, you had to look at them, they were crestfallen. Right, right. (laughs) Oh
0: man, you just told them Santa didn't exist. So, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, I think you were hesitant, but a big thing right now in the zeitgeist is ketosis. Yeah. So we've been talking about it forever. Uh, I mean, you know... uh, We play with it. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm OG Keto. I want to throw that out there, you know, like what? OG, original gangster keto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I think I first did keto like probably eight years ago.
1: Did you really? Yeah.
0: So oh, no, no and, I'm a
1: keto babe.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. It's well, it's been in the last year. So it's been, it's been a, you know, it's been a dance partner of mine and you go in and out, but, but, but basically now you, you're starting to see this, uh, this idea really, um, you know, take flight because eight years ago, it was kind of this wacky thing that like Rob Wolf talked about and some other people in the paleo CrossFit, Primal Community uh, and uh, Matt Lalonde and there was like a lot of you know, there was a lot of like, you know, geekery around it. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of early adopters tried it and got some success. But now you're starting to see uh, people in pop culture talk about it. I'm hearing it more and more on podcasts. And uh, in my hand, I have a funny little uh, packet that you brought, which is, uh, it's called Keto OS, Mm -hmm. right? So Keto Operating System, uh, Pure Therapeutic Ketones. So this is a powder and...
1: So something. Do you new, want to talk
0: about? <laughs> I'm going
1: to talk about it now. Is you, this illegal? You've let no, no. It's totally legal. It's not being shipped to Canada yet. It's open. It's available in the states. What's happened is so, so so let's talk a bit about the ketogenic diet break it, first, break it down okay? for people so really so very yeah. very quickly a ketogenic diet is when your body instead of running on sugar mm-hmm. which is its preferred form of fuel because it's the easiest yeah. form of fuel to run on is running on Tastes ketones the best, They taste everyone the best. knows that but is running on ketones which is a byproduct of burning fat for fuel um certainly in the sports community the sports that are now gaining the most traction with this type of a diet mm-hmm. are the endurance sports. So the triathletes, the long distance runners, the long distance cyclists, the ultra endurance athletes, because you never run out of fuel. Because in your body, no matter how lean an athlete you are, you've got hours upon hours of ketones to supply you with fuel. So if you can train your body to burn those that mm-hmm. fat for fuel, you don't bonk. You become bonk-proof.
0: So your hero Nora Noragagoudis years ago came up with this amazing analogy for what you're describing, which is if you were to start a fire, yep, um, you would start it with you know small branches and kindling, paper, right? And uh, but eventually you would want to have the big you Love. know big fat logs fuel that fire. And the big fat logs that just consistently fuel that fire are fats, and the little branches and kindling that those are carbs those are carbs yeah so and it's it's a really simple and I think great analogy it's brilliant it's one of
1: the most brilliant analogies because you consistently have to keep putting that kindling in just like people become slaves to food because they're consistently having to eat to keep that blood sugar stable.
0: More sugar, they get. They crash. They get hungry. More yeah. sugar. They need and energy. Not, they and guys, we're sugar. not even
1: just talking about candy sugar. We're talking about just simple carbs. Well, like right? you said, Vegetables even even sugar.
0: juice. I think a lot of people out there think that oh, it's juice. It's healthy. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just getting more carrot or more beets, but you're actually getting more sugar. So you're going to get some of the uh i would say negative effects of whatever food yeah. you're eating so
1: keto, so the so the beauty of the ketogenic diet the beauty of having ketones in your body is that what's happening in is that there are people like dr dominic diagostino there are researchers mm-hmm. like Finian volick who wrote the book the art and science of low-carb living and then followed it up with the art and science of low-carb performance Um, these people and, and more people, there's tons of people doing research Mm -hmm. in this area because ketones have turned out to be really interesting to have very interesting physiological effects on the body. Mm -hmm. So there's this marathon podcast that Tim Ferriss recorded with Dominic Diagostino, and in that three hours, three hours. Okay. So I transcribed it actually on one of those flights. Um, they talk about, and I'm, I'll just give you a very quick snapshot. Like, ketones can be anti-inflammatory. Ketones can um, be anti-tumor. Ketones stabilize blood sugar. They suppress appetite. They have an appetite-suppressing effect. Being in ketosis can improve your usage of oxygen by like something like three hundred percent. So, which means you use up less oxygen to do the work. Um, so, ketones, ketones burn is a cleaner burning fuel. So there's less oxidative damage produced in the body. So there's all these incredible benefits to having ketones in your system. The problem is that following a ketogenic diet is a huge commitment. It's a lot of work, and it doesn't exactly work for every single person. If someone has certain types of cancer, it can be the thing that saves their lives, potentially. If somebody has cognitive, some kind of neurodegenerative cognitive disease, again, it can be a lifesaver because it also ketones also improve blood flow to the brain. Mm-hmm. It also gives the brain a different source of fuel than and glucose. The brain,
0: the brain, and the heart prefer ketones. They love true? it, right.
1: love it, love it, love it. So, so there's a lot of benefits to the, to the ketogenic diet, but it's not entirely practical for everyone.
0: So up until. Um couple years ago, the way to produce ketones was to do it, um, uh, through your diet, right? Yep. right? Basically, so uh, what is the term? Not exogenous. Uh, What's the opposite? Endogenous. That's what I was. To produce
1: endogenous. Endogenously. That's
0: a fancy word for uh, you eat fat and protein, and your body produces ketones. Not too much protein. Not too much protein, because protein, yeah, that's true. Because protein can also lead to um, insulin spikes too. But basically, if you have a fat-rich, low-carb diet, you're producing ketones, and um, and that's fueling you not only for your raw. You know I would you know your your raw energy needs mm-hmm. right, but also there's all there's these secondary uh, benefits,
1: yeah. And um, and you know, one thing I wanted to mention is they, they talk about this study that was done, and it's not quite published yet, but they took two groups, because one of the big things about the ketogenic diet is in the weightlifting community, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're glycolytic, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't do this ketogenic thing because we would never be able to perform. So two, two facts to refute that is Dominic D'Agostino, who's a little bit of a beast, if you've ever seen him, he's like this giant muscular guy, who lives in a ketotic state. So mm-hmm. hmm, interesting. He could be just a weirdo, but he fasted, he does these seven-day fasts, I think, every quarter. And he did a seven-day fast. And at the end of his seven-day fast, he deadlifted over five hundred pounds seven times mm-hmm. and then did a five hundred and eighty five. Like something ridiculous.
0: So yeah, but that that isn't necessarily. No, but I'm not done. Di- so
1: then they did a I don't know if it other was then than or he's other. Awesome, than, other but, than he's yeah. he's yeah, demigod. Um, then they, they've done a study that's about to be published. Sorry, I just knocked the table. Sorry, audience. Uh, that Thumb. was me. That's what Thumb. you heard. <laughs> um, they took two groups of weightlifters, both trained weightlifters. We're talking
0: about Olympic weightlifters. Like,
1: I don't know if they were Olympic, but they were trained. Like, these okay. are not just run-of-the-mill, okay. and pull them off the street guys. Uh, one group carb-adapted, and then the other one, they took two weeks to fat-adapt them. Okay. Um, and then they tested them. And without going through the details, at the end of the day, the fat-adapted group did better. Mm-hmm. They had more muscle, they sustain, They kept their muscle mass, they got leaner, and they performed better.
0: I'd, I'd still like to know what they did, though, because I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, no, I mean, whether you it was like a very study. glycolytic effort versus a, um, you know, more of an anaerobic effort.
1: I think that what they're exploring also is that um, ketosis is is muscle-sparing. So it's oh, sure, very, okay. so that's what, right. What
0: I meant was more something that, that requires, uh, some degree of aerobic endurance again in that yeah. glyco- versus I, I, a completely anaerobic activity.
1: But in this world, what we're also talking about is your muscle glycogen will restore itself mm-hmm. if you don't lift every day. Sure. Right. So if you're the guy that's in the gym lifting every single day, then yeah, you better be restoring those glycogen stores mm-hmm. overnight. The other really interesting talk actually on this topic was Mark Sisson. So Mark Sisson is the primal blueprint guy. He's been doing Mark's primal. Mark's Daily Apple. Yeah, Mark's Daily yeah. Apple, huge, huge audience. He's just written a new book called Primal Endurance. He's come full circle on this stuff. And not only is he talking about being coming fat fueled, but he's also talking about people training completely differently than before. You will probably is it Maffet- Doctor Maffitone? Phil
0: Maffetone, yeah, Phil that's right.
1: So that whole school where you train at a much lower intensity, mm-hmm. you train less often, you end up doing less collateral damage to the body. You don't... The way he refers to it, it's so interesting. He goes, when people are training at 180, 200 beats a minute for hours and hours on end, all you're doing is you're training yourself to withstand the discomfort
0: mm-hmm. of being
1: in that zone. Sure. Where the real goal should be to find your training zone, which is the old 180 minus your age formula, right? Train within that heart rate, but increase your capacity for work within that heart rate. And one of the things that brought him to this whole line of thinking is that he himself as an endurance athlete, as a young man, did irreparable damage to his heart. Because as he puts it, when you're doing squats and pull-ups and whatnot, you're your skeletal muscle will conk out at some point and say, "You know what? I've had enough. We're failing. We're done." Your heart doesn't have that option. Your heart has to keep beating. Sure. So what? But it comes at a at a cost, and the heart muscle will thicken over time, and which will make it down the road. You end up like him yeah. on a beta blocker or something because anyway, well, it's, 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 it's a long, long story. We're yeah, falling yeah, it's, down it's a, so many rabbit holes right now. No, it's right okay. It's, it's I mean, it's a, so I mean, just to just to
0: kind of, um, you know. Like, bring this point home. I think what we're really trying to tell people listening to this is that in this kind of new world of CrossFit and high performance Olympic weightlifting, everybody is so used to going to their max all the time or being mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. this, this, this high capacity zone.
1: Constantly.
0: Constantly. And they're getting really good at being efficient in that zone, you know, be getting better, uh, a technique. They're able to withstand the anguish of being in that zone. So they're, they're getting, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, they're game ready. But There has to be an awareness of um, Where you need to train at and what you need to optimize and I think what Maffetone um, did so brilliantly was Outline for people in a very simple formula you alluded to which is essentially 180 minus your age and if anybody is interested in this topic go to uh, just Google Phil Maffetone and you'll be able to read about his uh, His formula. It's very interesting because what he's defining is your aerobic capacity
1: where you burn
0: fat. Where you burn fat. And uh, so this is something I played around with mm-hmm. during. You've,
1: you've played with this?
0: I played with this pretty extensively. And, yeah. and you know, in, in combination with ketogenic diet, which is ideal mm-hmm. if you're staying in that aerobic pathway. And for mm-hmm. those who um, may not, uh, this may not be clear to, to people out there, but aerobic energy comes from oxygenation of fat. Yep. You need oxidization. Yeah. Right. So you need to breathe.
1: Yeah.
0: And you need fat. Yep. And when you breathe and you use fat, you unleash that energy. And this is what you were talking about earlier in this in, in terms of us having uh, just just miles and miles and marathons and marathons of energy stored within us. But if you don't actually train and and operate at that in that zone, that aerobic zone, and if you don't have a diet to support mm-hmm. the liberation of you know ketones and chemicals you need to keep fueled then it's never gonna work yep so you got to kind of find that zone so you know uh, that's why we train with heart rate monitors and to try to understand that you know if, if we're if we're uh, up to uh, if we're training too intensely uh, we're getting to that glycolytic state or that anaerobic state so I think this is all like really cool stuff
1: and it's a good place to visit
0: it's a great the place glycolytic to
1: visit. state his point I think is that the glycolytic state that high intensity state uh-huh. is a great place to visit Regularly, maybe once, twice a week, but more of your time should be spent in the aerobic state.
0: You see this in increasing. Cr- you capacity. see this in, I think you see this in elite CrossFit. You Do see, you? I, I think so. I'm beginning yeah. to see that people look much calmer, <laughs> and they're breathing. <laughs> they're breathing much more frequently, mm-hmm. which is a sign that you're in an aerobic state, uh, and they're pacing much better at the at the highest levels. Right. So they're, they're yeah. not they're not they're not gasping for air. I mean, they're, you're going to reach a point where you have to be gasping for air. And that's usually at the end or, or when you're, you know, um, about ready to to win or, or finish. So I think, you know, that has a place. But if you're constantly operating in this uh, high capacity zone, you're going to burn out. So really the goal should be to optimize your performance at uh, meaning more output in your aerobic zone, mm-hmm. right? So just to make it simple, if I can do more burpees while staying aerobic, then someone um, who can do, you know, one or two more burpees, but they're operating glycolytically, I'm actually fitter.
1: And you're going to last longer. I'm going to last
0: longer, especially if I have my diet to support that, meaning um, I'm fat fueled Mm -hmm. and I can use ketones. Well, you know, uh, if and and if I had to push it, if I had to cross that threshold from aerobic to anaerobic, I would be able to do that and and actually outperform that other person. So I think managing these zones is so important. That's what CrossFit, I think, identified very early that you have to have competency in all of these places.
1: Yeah, and and I think people forget that. The other thing is that you know, for the marathon runner, for the final sprint at the end, yeah, he's gonna go for the glycogen because he's it. gonna go anaerobic mm-hmm. to cross the finish line before Buddy. So he, his capacity aerobically will blow your mind, right? He'll Absolutely. run whatever, is, whatever the minute mile is that these elite marathoners run, mm-hmm. but then when they're going for the sprint at the end, they may cross the, that anaerobic threshold, but all the glycogen is in their muscles waiting to be called on. The cool thing about um, operating, and, and one of the concepts that Dom Diagostino talks about is metabolic flexibility. So maintaining the ability to burn fat and sugar for fuel. Sure. Right? So, and, and this is one thing that I really want to share with people is that the, the whether you're primal or paleo or ketogenic, for many, many people, the real answer lies in learning to flip through these different stages mm-hmm. so that you... Unless you, and I mean, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. There are people that have certain disease conditions that maybe they should never be keto. Maybe they should always be keto. Like there's going to be different bio-individualities. There are going to be certain circumstances, but for the rest of us who are kind of in the middle zone and we kind of seem fine here, there, and everywhere is being ketogenic for periods of time will serve us well, right? And being, and then other times burning, not, not being ketogenic, cycling in and out of it is also good because you want to hang on to that insulin resistance. You don't want to lose your insulin resistance. So, I mean, your insulin sensitivity, you do want to lose your insulin resistance.
0: Do you know at this stage of the hardcore, uh, ketosis people, so Diagostino or anybody else, uh, who's, who's really a proponent, um, are they cycling? Yeah, they are. And how frequent
1: Well, for him, he may, I think what he said is he'd be, he'd easily stay in ketosis for two to three weeks, maybe two weeks. But what he talks about, one thing that's really interesting, he says, once your body becomes used to being in ketosis, you know, it's how it's, it can be a brawl getting back into ketosis when you fall out. He said, it seems that you come back to it much more easily. And the way I look at it is the mitochondria, which are those little organelles in your cells that can either burn fat or sugar for fuel. It's, like, it's almost like you have these energy factories, right? And so if you're only burning glucose ever, learning, re, re-optimizing that fat burning machinery takes some time. That's yeah. the fat adaptation period we talk about, where you feel like you're dying and the whole nine mm-hmm. yards. But once you, once you get that machinery up and running and happening, it becomes a lot easier to go back flip into back ketosis. Into that mode. It mode. It's easier to flip back and forth.
0: So you almost need some nutritional athleticism, yeah, to be able to kind of flip back and forth. But yeah. that, that's that's what would make someone, um, I would say, you know, quite healthy and adaptable to whatever situation they're in. And you know what? If you think about it, it's very logical and intuitive. Back in the day, you know, ten thousand yes. years ago, we would have probably gone through long stretches of only eating fat. And protein, uh, and then you know we come across you know a beehive or or a blueberry patch or something, and we're just going to feast yeah, on that on sugar, the sugar because it's 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 just you know it's it's rare and uh, you know it's not it's not a uh, commonplace thing to see that's in nature, mm-hmm. and we would just hoard it and we would use it. And of course, our genes would be designed to hoard that stuff. And uh, and that energy and to enjoy it and then to you know basically wait another two or three weeks till we found something else.
1: Well, taking it to the other extreme, even beyond being uh, running on fat and protein, we would have gone through periods of virtual starvation. And if we were not, and that's your that's your ketosis, intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. So, had the human animal not developed the metabolic capacity to be to have no fuel and to access your own fat stores for fuel we would never have survived as a species because we were kind of weak and hairless and not that good at (laughs) a lot of stuff so we would have gone through periods of time where we wouldn't have had access to food so if our brains hadn't figured out how to run on fat if our heart and our muscles weren't able to run on the stored fat that we had we never would have survived to the next stage so So, you know, so so what was interesting in some of the discussions that I got to listen in on was, you know, we're not trying to be Paleolithic men here. Our circumstances are completely different. I hope you're not. I'm not. Um, (laughs) We don't have access to the same foods. We don't live the same life. Like, obviously, you know, you get all these people who go, you know, like, this is such bullshit. We don't live in Paleolithic... But ultimately, what we're trying to do is look into our ancestry and understand metabolically what will we programmed to do and how can we access that programming to optimize our performance. And, and, and even when you have a day, just taking this into the boardroom. You have a day where you're back to back to back to back meetings and you don't really have time to eat and you and you, you know, you're drinking your water and whatever it is, but you can't get food into you. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy that can burn fat and function Uh or do you want to be the dude sitting in the corner shaking because his blood sugar is so low that he's been left like kind of in a hypoglycemic coma?
0: and what's what's underneath everything you're saying is we have to respect our nature or nature in general because it's hard to fight that stuff case in point uh a lightning storm you know <laughs> diverted your plane for a few hours i mean you know that's nature you're not yeah. gonna you're, you're not gonna fight it nope. right you have to go work with it. with it you gotta go with it and uh you know stay calm so I, I think that's 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 everything that we're saying it's it we're no one's trying to go back to caveman days i mean i'm, I'm sure a few people are but they're you know
1: Living in a the mountain They're somewhere. They're
0: crazy. Yeah, that's fine. Do your thing. It's all good. But I mean, hey, we're smart. We're able to look back on you know uh, you know thousands of years of human history and learn a few things. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm definitely on the side of this stuff tends to work for most people. You kind of got to find your groove. And for some, you know, maybe it's 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 eating a little bit of uh, or doing a little bit of cream now and then, or, or some cheese, rice. whatever, some whatever. People
1: need the rice. Sometimes, look.
0: hey, it's okay. Rice, rice is delicious. Right? It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I just I was in Asia. I love you know rice is. Rice was necessary. And you've lived to tell the <laughs> yeah, tale. Yeah, I've lived to tell the tale. Um, what's What's interesting, though, about uh, you know going back in time uh, to look at what our, our bodies are, are designed to do, or are capable of, it's funny looking forward in time. And again, back to this... Little packet I'm holding of of, of ketones. So so this is this is essentially uh, exogenous ketones, meaning stuff that your body doesn't produce. So this, what do you think about this? Is this help? Is this going to help people uh, stay in ketosis, uh, get into ketosis, make it easier? Like, what's what's the deal with this stuff? Because I I I have a feeling it's going to be more and more popular. uh,
1: This is hitting. This is hitting. So what's happened? Just to back up, exogenous ketones, ketones that we can produce that we can take as a supplement taste horrifying Mm -hmm. like horrifying jet fuel jet fuel literally um so it's been a long time coming that people have been trying to hack at this problem saying how do we make them taste good Mm -hmm. and why would we want to take exogenous ketones so exogenous ketones to me are this really cool tool and hack um that can give people access to a toolkit that they can't necessarily access themselves through diet. So what I've seen happen with these types of products is, for example, you take someone who's quite overweight and has a lot of weight to lose. They've got a ton of bad eating habits, their attitude, they're they're in their own way. You let them drink an exogenous ketone drink once or twice a day, and all of a sudden, number one, their body gets introduced to this whole idea of fat burning, right? Um, On top of that, the ketones have a natural appetite suppressing effect. So now all of a sudden this person may not be feeling as hungry anymore for a certain period of time. It'll help them get a handle on their cravings. And hopefully in all this time, they're getting some information about how to make better choices in their diet. Well, if you're not feeling, if your brain's not screaming at you that you're about to die, so get me some sugar right this second, you might have a second to stop and say, Oh, Okay, well wait, I could have a candy bar or I could have an apple. Maybe I'll have an apple because I can, right? Um, And you see these people over time, and this is not a one minute wonder product. This is a product that over time will help people to improve their body composition. They may not lose a pound on the scale, but their body composition will improve. Their focus may improve. Their inflammation may go down. Their blood sugar will stabilize, which will inform the energy levels, the focus, the, the fat burning, the whole nine yards. So,
0: so it's, it's a, a means really, to an end. it's
1: a means to an end. It can be, it's a really, it's a, and, and it's literally that. It's a hack. It's a really interesting supplement tool. And it's something that the body would produce if it could. So I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I've come across it over the last couple of months. I've been playing with it a little bit in my practice. I've been playing with some of my clients with, um, with friends and it's, it's, it's not necessarily for everyone because this form of ketone is a ketone salt.
0: So, th- this, so this you package. have to be
1: very careful with your hydration. I, uh-huh. I personally supplement with extra potassium and magnesium when I take this because you could have a ketone ester or a ketone salt. Mm-hmm. This is a salt. It comes with a fair amount of salt.
0: So, so yeah, the package says orange dream.
1: Yeah. So So, that one tastes like an orange, that one tastes like an orange creamsicle.
0: Okay. And then the other, they solved that bad tasting problem. They
1: solved the bad tasting problem. And then the other one that they have, which is a way better formula, which I didn't bring with me today is, um, it's called chocolate swirl, which is a misnomer. It kind of tastes like a Tootsie Roll. But what I love about that formula is that it gives you the ketones plus the branch chain amino Mm -hmm. acids that will support muscle building plus prebiotic fiber to feed your gut plus butyrate which is a short chain fatty acid to also feed your gut bugs and so it's this kind of spectacular formula that i personally take right before, like about a half an hour before i work out and it just it just gives me that little lift mm-hmm. and it and it eases my body into a place where it's burning the fuel that i want it to burn
0: and who would you recommend take this at this stage
1: I'd say most people. I'd say people who... Like if
0: you have no interest in maintaining a key, ketogenic Yeah, diet anybody who outside. wants
1: ec- exposure to ketones. Okay. Who wants so, to help to manage their food cravings in a good way. Way better than a diet pill. Right. By a mile, right? Somebody with high blood pressure has to be careful with it. Uh, you know, there's a couple of little things you have to be careful of. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, this is a, a beautiful entry into the market, and it's, it was introduced in the States in September. It'll be, I'm, I currently found a way to get it to Canada, but it'll be introduced formally in Canada within the next month or so. Um, I, I love it as a, as an, as a tool. And, and it is just that, it's a tool
0: yeah it's I, not my, it's
1: part of the part i mean part the of packaging
0: the is pretty slick and it looks it looks neat i mean um my prediction is this will be huge and uh it'll probably be sold in uh convenience stores and like tiny little like red bull eat <laughs> kind of cans, most likely. Maybe eventually. I think so. It's way
1: better than a Red Bull, I can tell you that. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, as far as. for you. Yeah, I I mean, you know, here's the thing. Everybody's always looking for uh, a magic pill or a magic product and Mm -hmm. and they're kind of, you know, taking themselves off the hook. I think if you use it wisely, then it, it can be an aid towards better health, but ultimately that's, that's, you know, something you have to, that's, manage, our goal. that's what you have yep. to do. Well, I mean, you have to take responsibility and you have to build habits and you have to do oh, all, the, yeah. all the boring stuff, right? Um, but in the meantime, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool to see uh, these types of things out there. And I know mm. they, they will help a few people uh, stay committed to that, to that idea. I mean, again, I've seen the, the benefit of, of ketosis in my life and, and some other people. It's not the easiest thing to do. It really isn't, but there definitely is a, like mounting a uh, mountain of evidence to suggest that this is a really good thing for most people to know about experiment with and just you know try to incorporate learn to their use lives. for themselves learn to use yeah, yeah. so that's kind of that's pretty cool what other uh cool stuff did you bring back or see
1: um so i found the world's best canned tuna ever
0: um, oh man a company
1: called safe catch and they this test, is amazing news they test every tuna Because what they figured out is in a school of tuna, Mm -hmm. you will have Tuna tuna Sam over here, who is fully toxic, and then you'll have Tony Tuna over here, who's less than one part per million mercury. I love Tony
0: Tuna. So
1: So, (laughs) so these guys find all the Tony Tunas, and those are the only tunas that end up in their cans. It's, it's true because like, you know, you take, you take, had. you take
0: a group of friends, there's going to be your unhealthy ones <laughs> and your, you know, and, and yeah. your healthy ones. Okay. It makes total sense. So, uh, for those people not aware, there's a major problem with commercial tuna.
1: hmm
0: You want to break it down?
1: So, well, like basically tuna is at the tuna fish are big giant fish that are at the top of the food chain and they bioaccumulate mercury in their fat tissue. So this they is they eat why other fish, other, they fish eat other fish eat other fish and, yeah. and they
0: eat plankton and there's mercury and there's mercury the and it
1: collects so and
0: mercury is horrible for you. It's, it's, it's really one bad. Of, it's gnarly. Yeah. So, so how much, how much tuna?
1: So you've been told to eat no more for most people don't eat more than a can of tuna a week. And if you're pregnant, you're going to maybe even go a little less than yeah. that, right? So the unfortunate thing is that tuna is tasty. It's a spectacular source of good protein. It's a great source of omega-3 fats. Um, so it's got a lot of health benefits, mm. but the bad news is if you're getting it with a bunch of mercury, that's a bit problematic. So definitely you can mitigate those things in your tuna by eating seaweed with your tuna and lots of deep leafy greens because the chlorophyll helps to bind the heavy metals and move them out of the body. So there's it's ways of,
0: in your fat. of
1: helping your body and your body has mechanisms for clearing that stuff too, but you wanna make sure that you do everything you can to help your body clear it but safe catch is like this. I, and I, you know, I'm hopeful that he'll actually come on a podcast at some point. I had a really great talk with uh, one of the principals of the you company. You were just wheeling
0: dealing down there, making I connections. Was, I was
1: like, man, would you, and he, he, the greatest guy. And cool. and you know, when you find someone who's so excited about what they do. It's cool. He's like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's like, you've got to hear about this. So that was a great product.
0: So where where? Uh, I
1: don't know, I, I'm working on it.
0: So they're called.
1: <laughs> so the two they're Nuts called, called Safe, Catch. Safe Catch.
0: So that's can, the name of the company. Okay, so you can only get the stuff online in the States. It's I'm not deal. sure
1: that I'm pretty sure they'll ship to Canada. Okay. I, you know what guys, if you come back to the show notes, I'll do a little bit of homework. I literally have been running flat out since I came back. So I haven't even had time yeah, to circle back. Yeah, you had near death
0: experience. You're...
1: I've had all my experiences Absolutely. and then some, um, and, um, what else was, oh, and actually uh, this face soap. So <laughs> there's, there's a company called Mother Dirt. Great and name. they may... sounds
0: like a Frank Zappa band or something. So
1: Mother Dirt—it's the concept of probiotic-infused body personal care products. Cool,
0: because that's a big problem, right? They're uh, antibacterial. Your microbiome products are, on your right, skin, right? That's important too. You need bugs on your and skin, and it's too. getting slaughtered. Why, why and why do you need? Just really simply, why do you need bacteria on your skin?
1: It's part of your. It's part of your immune system. Really. Okay. Frankly, it's, and, and you know, so when it's a defense use,
0: mechanism for other bugs
1: and it's a part of the reason why you never want to use antibacterial soaps. Never Armageddon,
0: like never, never. Well, I mean, look, kiss? if
1: you're in a play, if you're in a hospital and there's a major
0: a surgical environment thing
1: going on, okay. then you're going to need those antibacterial soaps. But, but there's also, most of us there's a lot surges. of research that shows that washing your hands really well with regular soap and water is just as effective. Okay. Um, so I won't speak to the extreme conditions, but for most of us walking around, there should be none of this stuff in your house. Um, anyway, so mother dirt, they make a shampoo, they make a face wash, and then they make this weird body spray that you're supposed to put in all dark, moist places. Uh, it was too weird for me. I didn't even go there. They gave me a free bottle of the shampoo, which I'm kind of de for what, how much good it's going to do my hair. But I bought the face wash because, and he's going to kill me for this. My son may leave me for telling you these guy you guys this, but my you know, my son's a teenager, so we're always looking for something to offset exam season and you know the bad foods that go with it on his skin kind of thing. Okay. So I come home and I hand him this bottle of face wash, and to his credit, he's now learned that he'll try anything I give him once. He's like, you know what, either she's gonna harass me to death or whatever. <laughs> so I hand him the bottle, two days after I get home, three days later, maybe two days later, I run into him in the hallway in my house, and I'm like, what happened to your face? And he's looking going, what are you talking about? I'm like, did you use that soap I gave you? He's, and he gets this cute little smile on his face, he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, your face is like clear.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: It was it was amazing. Now, I mean, since then he's in full on exams. I would say there's you know definitely the stress has definitely kind of ca- caught up with him. But in that short little window at the very beginning, it is one of the most unbelievable products I've ever laid eyes on. I actually, I to this day, I mean, I keep meaning to email the company because it w- it was remarkable. And all it did is it restored. The natural Uh bacterial balance on his it it restored natural bacterial balance on his face. It's part of this whole idea of eating dirt, like clean dirt, right? Part of this idea. of Okay, you're going to
0: have to qualify your statement.
1: My clean dirt because you may have just so if you're on a farm and it's an organic farm and it's and you know the farmer's really smart and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. There's value in coming in contact with dirt and eating vegetables that are not perfectly washed. Sometimes, like. There's little kids who play in the dirt have been shown in many cases, like many studies are showing that kids that play in the dirt and don't grow up in a completely sanitized environment have better immunity. They're less likely to have allergies. They're less likely to develop asthma. Like their immune system is gets primed through this exposure to natural bacteria. And
0: this is a problem with uh, our antiseptic society is that we're yeah. shielding people from the natural elements and and the fact that we don't have we're not playing in dirt at a young age is, is Preventing us from developing some of the antibodies that we need to fight yeah. some of the most common bugs I mean right? look
1: think about it this way You cannot control the fact that you will come into tra- contact with germs at some point no matter how clean your environment is So if what you do if and this is a really bad analogy, but if by being in a hyper clean sanitized environment you're almost lulling your immune system to sleep, well, then when the bad guys mm-hmm. come around, you know, dudes are in the it's corner true. having a nap. <laughs> They're not ready. They're not prepped. Yeah, They're you got prepared. no backup. So you don't want an overactive immune system, but you want an immune system that's primed.
0: So you want to be a little dirty.
1: You want to be a little Just dirty. Just a little dirty. Just a little bit dirty. Anyway, I, I feel like we've been going for a long time. Uh-huh. How are you doing, I guys? I <laughs> Is anybody still with us? Yeah, I
0: think like every six episodes we should just riff and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, this is that episode. We'll, yeah, I we'll believe, shoot I mean, first, we, ask we questions later. We could keep later. going. Like there's there were so many other cool things, and I've come you know there are a couple of products I came across that would be interested in maybe um, we could talk to on this podcast and introduce some mm-hmm. of our audience our audience. Well, to I, th- some I think that's products, that's I
0: something think. we were we were talking about uh, before you went to Paleo FX was hey you know who are the cool. Uh, companies out there the i guess the leaders in this field who's who's producing you know product that could actually help people stay in a healthy lifestyle not just all the you know crappy stuff that you see at every convention there's usually a wave of products which is just yeah. there to capitalize bars. on bars and all this stuff which although I
1: did come by these protein bars that have egg white protein mm. they have four ingredients so a little too carb heavy for me but delicious and the protein is egg white which for people who are not don't have a problem with egg whites is such a nice, refreshing change from the whey protein that you see everywhere.
0: But there was a lot of product there, right? Was there? Tons of product. Yeah. I, I mean, hopefully they'll be hitting some health food stores oh, in the yeah. near future.
1: Natural care, pro- like personal care products, mm. there's a company called Fatco, and I think they use uh, like Great beef names. tallow and stuff. Right. So they have this deodorant called something stank, something S <laughs> T A N K. It's the best deodorant ever. right? if it works. you can get, yeah, if you can get your okay. head around, you know, smearing cream under your in your pits every day, it's um, that smells kind of like lavender. Um, <laughs> it's the best stuff. But even face cream, like we forget that the that the things we put on our bodies end up in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So um, how fun is it to support someone in a very young business who's doing this out of passion? and to support them in their endeavor and to make yourself healthier while you're in the process. Totally. All All good.
0: Totally. Uh, Well, that's cool. I mean, you've had an eventful... Couple of weeks. Couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, we didn't even get to the Toronto Pro Show. That'll be Uh, next time. We'll tell you about the new age mouth guard that I put in my mouth and did two chin-ups with, which most of you are scoffing. Anybody can do two chin-ups, but I... Chin Ups and I are not friends and I did two of them with this thing in my mouth at the pro show.
0: Wow So is that the cliffhanger? That's we're the cliffhanger. Just leave we're n- we're leaving it
1: here because It's time
0: if you're like what oh, I gotta stay tuned stay for the next tuned. episode.
1: It's not the season finale
0: <laughs> We don't have seasons <laughs> We just keep going. We
1: just keep we going. We should have seasons. Going. Yeah, That'd be kind of fun. We need a break hmm
0: <laughs> um okay cool. Well, we uh, didn't even
1: talk about your trip.
0: Um Yeah, I went to Indonesia. And it was awesome. <laughs> we um And you
1: Russian you Russian lifted, I Russianed? you did the thing.
0: Yeah, I Turkish get up. You Turkish uh, It's not
1: Russian, Turkish. Uh, you Turkish I get up A person.
0: Turkish a, a, a human being. Again. I was in Singapore and everyone was taking a photo and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to do a cool, you know, pose." Uh, cool pose. And I'm like, uh <laughs> I don't really have any cool poses. That's like oh, my one. No, because
1: standing with a human being on the end of your arm, with your arm above your head is not a cool pose. I'm sorry. Well, it was
0: perfect. She was about hundred pounds, so it wasn't too hard. It, like my PR is about 140 pounds. So I was like, I can, I can do this without any warm-up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was pretty cool. That to, was a great picture. Do.
1: Cause you were on a bridge over so, water yeah, I with mean, a city in the background at night. Okay. Just for, for
0: everybody who's completely lost the plot here. I, yeah, I was in, uh, Indonesia uh, Asia for about a week, uh, Indonesia specifically, uh, you know, we, we work with Lou lemon here at Academy. So they, they sent me on this kind of ambassador trip. Uh, so th- shout out Lou lemon. Thank you. Uh, it was a great experience and, uh, they do a lot of cool stuff for their, uh, not only their staff, like they really believe in developing, uh, great people as do we at Academy. So, uh, it's one of the reasons we work with them cause they're so cool to their, to their own employees, but they also, uh, they also really build community mm-hmm. uh, amongst all the different people who are associated with their brand. So I was in Indonesia uh, in this place called, in this region called uh, Java, which is known for coffee. And and we were on on this uh, kind of resort, which was on a coffee plantation, which is pretty cool, beautiful resort. And we did uh, four days of yoga, meditation, self development. Went wow, to amazing. went to a uh, you know a 1,200 year old Buddhist. Uh, Buddhist temple at sunrise, uh, which was an amazing experience, did yoga overlooking the temple. Uh, for me, someone who essentially was, uh, you know, I think I mentioned on the show before I, 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 became somewhat of a Buddhist in high school and it was really cool to go and actually see some real, uh, the ground zero, the ground zero yeah, literally. Yeah. Right. This this How
1: amazing.
0: It was amazing. Like I had a pretty, um, you know, I had a pretty, uh, personally revolutionary experience there mm-hmm. it was just nice to see uh something so uh so old and 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 beautiful i mean you know in toronto our, our stuff's like two three hundred years old yeah. that stuff's like <laughs> you know yeah you know <laughs> it, it, it does something to you so it was a beautiful place beautiful people great food uh and uh so yeah and, and all the way back got a chance to hit up singapore and hong kong both incredible cities. Like Singapore was cool as shit. Like beautiful city. Everything's clean. You can't chew gum. That's a whole other story. And they have some crazy <laughs> wacky laws. Did they throw lives. you
1: in jail for chewing gum? Or something? Yeah.
0: I, at any point in the in the trip, I was kind of like, uh, am I breaking the law? Like I don't know. Like could I be? Because
1: <laughs> these could, are not places you want. Am to I be to stand the here? No, yeah, no, no, no. You you're not. Kind of want to stay on track.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know if I broke a law by doing that Turkish getup. I may have, but we'll we'll see if they come out. Well, you're me. back. I'm back. Yeah, That's all that matters. Uh, so that was cool. Hong Kong was cool. Definitely did not do paleo or ketosis in Hong Kong. Yeah. Their dim sum was too, too good. It was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, Asia, two thumbs up, and I can't wait to go back. That is a I mean, a great. It's it's incredible. Um, it, not only that is it incredible to, uh, you know, like in this day and age to be able to go to the exact other side of the world within a day and a half. And uh, uh, this is a funny one Nat. Um, <laughs> actually when I when I landed uh, in Indonesia, I had that was, you know, I'd been on three flights. So like a 15 hour flight, a, a four hour flight and then an hour flight with some layovers in the middle. And so I didn't really sleep for about a day and a half. Landed. Everyone was there at the at the the whole you know gathering and 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 so what do we start doing? We start drinking. Had, had a bunch of red wine. So I had not slept for about a day and a half. giving me my human charger. Well, check this out. So and and I just you know I I definitely uh, consumed probably a bottle and a half of wine, and I you know I, I go to bed. I wake up in the morning and I'm expecting to feel just like total dog shit and I wake up and I'm like, I feel great. (laughs) So I felt amazing. We went and did yoga and I'm like, Hey, wait a second. Maybe everything that we're talking about is all wrong. Maybe I just need to deprive myself of sleep, get some kind of a, you know, just be on on a jet, uh, drink and it'll just do good things to my body. And and so I'm going to test that theory out (laughs) <laughs> see, see what happens. Have that work for you, do, you. You do your thing, and I'll do my thing, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, but all in all, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Good for
1: you. Uh, well, don't you think that taking care of your body, moving into something like that, ultimately just gives you the resilience to then move through an experience without getting decimated by it?
0: Totally. Yeah. Right? I've, hundred percent. You know, I'm. I'm pretty. Uh, most of my life is is very queen living. So yeah. when you, so
1: that's that's your like. You know what you're doing. You're like socking away the credits for the days Mm -hmm. and the times when you're you're in a situation where you're going to enjoy the time, the place, the people, the food, whatever it may be. Absolutely. That's that's before you. That's part of the human experience, right?
0: Well, I think that's what's cool, right? Like you get your body to a certain state where you know it's going to be healthy most of the time, and when you can't sleep or you can't eat, and you need to get shit faced drunk to uh, to hang out with your new, you know. Uh, 50 new friends well, that's what you just got to do Yeah, and you
1: can deal and you can do it and you can do it. It's resilience.
0: Yeah, resilience is a big thing It's Mm -hmm. not about being perfect. It's about uh, You know lasting the longest I guess. Yeah, it's
1: like, you know, it's and it's like anything else exposure to bad stuff is part of being developing Mm -hmm. that that ability to withstand it right it's like not living in a hyper clean world you can't live in a perfect world all the time and i think that sometimes when we get into these discussions people must sit there and imagine that you know you and i just only eat certain things and we only drink a certain way and we only do this and we and it's not true it's it's just that most of the time we do what we what we know is best for our bodies to to take care of them and then other times we we just it, it just buys us the wiggle room to do
0: yeah. Other stuff I, you know what? I, can't, other I couldn't times. I couldn't put it better myself. That will room is important, uh, especially when you're traveling and, and, and you're meeting people. Food is such a uh, is, is a great platform for conversation and shared experience. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, one of the things that stands out to me on this trip is when uh, I was in Singapore with, uh, you know, a group of friends that that uh, essentially uh, now seem like friends for life, but I had met only a few days earlier. And they were like, "Oh, this is your first time in Singapore. I'm going to show you this place. I'm going to show you this place. You're going to eat this. You're going to eat this. You're going to eat this." <laughs> so if I was really like dogmatic about my nutrition, and you're
1: sitting there going, "Is there any sugar in this sauce?" Yeah, I don't and what care. What kind of fat
0: do you? I would have <laughs> eaten, you know, just just for that experience, I would eat battery acid just yeah, to be like just whatever. to be it's yeah, your new friends. It's, this is
1: your social connections. Exactly.
0: Story. It was it was cool. So I think um, I've definitely added that to my repertoire over the years, is not to be overly dogmatic and exclude myself from certain experiences. Obviously, there's certain food. Like I probably wouldn't eat a dog, you know, like that's just not my vibe. Um, right. But, you know, <laughs> I don't think I did. I wasn't trying to. But anyway, but I, <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? Um, but uh, but, you know, it was cool. And again, I think the value of eating and being in, a, in a, as optimized a state for as long as possible and then kind of wiling out once in a while. It's a good recipe awesome. for success. Like you said, stay a little, you know stay dirty. That's right. Just a little bit dirty.
1: And I think on that note.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, where do they reach you if they want to reach you?
1: Um, they can reach me at well they can follow me on Instagram at, at Natalie Spell. Uh, @nathalienidd.
0: Spell. N
1: a t h a l i e n i d d like David David a m like mother at the end. Um, I have a new Facebook page that I just launched this week called Keto Nat. So, Keto, K-E-T like Tom, O, N like November, A-T like Tom. So, come on out and visit me there. I'm just starting it out. I'm just putting out some, some food ideas, some lifestyle ideas, just, and, you know, open to comments, really, really hopeful that people will engage and we'll get a good conversation going there. Um, and then by email, nat at academyoflions.com or um, yeah, I think that's about it. Or Twitter is at paleo NXO from my pure paleo <laughs> days. So I've got all different kinds of handles going on.
0: Okay, well, yeah. you're definitely not hard to reach. No, so you've got I'm easy to find. That. Just cool. find me at Academy
1: of Lions. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you
0: just yeah, you'll be doing your your two pull ups. More on that later. Uh, yeah, follow us at at Academy of Lions. Uh, hit academyoflions dot com and uh, see what's going on in this community whether you're in Toronto or not we have stuff going on for people who are even uh, living on the other side of the world follow our newsletter and all our other stuff Uh, I'm uh, I can be reached at Danny Oaks and uh, that's about it so thanks a lot take care Uh, stay keto and we'll talk to you soon okay peace